This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Rob. And when I'm not busy regulating the transmission rates of our public utilities, I'm stacking Benjamins. Yeah. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and this is The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, neighbor. If you're new here, you'll soon learn that I'm the true star of the show, because as you just saw in the previous few seconds, I'm pretty damn entertaining. But also, because introducing these two dorks is hard work. Luckily today, it's all about you, because we're answering your letters. But that's not all. We'll also have headlines ripped from the news, an excellent trivia question, and throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener. And now, here they are, two guys who make Dumb and Dumber look smart and smarterer, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-J! Man, somebody's surly today. Which one am I? The dumb or the dumber? Or Probably the d- Swan, swim, swam. Oh, it says right here, Samsonite. That was way off. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to another crazy Wednesday on the Stacking Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, you're only drinking water. I've got uh, the coffee out, but we're ready to go, man. It's- Ooh, I've, I've, you know, I'm already well past coffee out. I got uh, halfway done with that, but that's the voice of the OG across from me. Man, we got a great episode today because we haven't done letters in a few weeks. So game on. We're about to open up the floodgates and find out what crazy questions people have for us. But first, let's take a second, OG, to talk about how you, not them, but you can start earning passive income by investing in rental properties through Roofstock. Sound like fun? Yes. 
because Roofstock is an online marketplace for buying and selling tenant-occupied homes. I like the idea that the tenants already occupied the place. I don't have to do any of that if I don't want to. So whether you're in California or New York, Roofstock makes it efficient and hassle-free to diversify your portfolio and invest from anywhere in high-yield markets like Atlanta or Memphis. They lay all the property reports and financials at your fingertips and even connect you with vetted local property managers for hassle-free ownership. Every property is thoroughly vetted by the Roofstock certification team, so you know it's in good condition with a reliable tenant in place. And best of all, and I do, I totally mean best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by, wait for it, a 30-day money-back guarantee. How often does that happen when you buy real estate? Roofstock, property investing made simple. Visit stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock today. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock to learn more about rental home investing and browse exclusive listings today. And by the way, while you're at Roofstock, you're going to need some cash to get there, OG. So you know what you do? You had to magnifymoney.com where the average person who goes there saves just under 500 smackaroonies when they go 450 bucks by having a better checking account, a better savings account, better debt products. Magnify Money is the place where more easily than anywhere else you can compare and contrast those things that you have now, those awful, awful things, with ones that are way, way better. Check this out. If you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, right at the top, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see the list of all the different things that they compare, such as balance transfers, cashback rewards, 0% interest cards, CD rates, savings accounts, checking accounts, personal loans, student loan refinance, parent plus loan refinance, auto loans, small business loans. It's all what there. What don't they do? I they don't make French toast. Oh, and I'm which ca- I don't know. I haven't made French toast. In a while. I might make French toast this weekend. Go to like, Panera, you get that big loaf of oh, man. fresh cinnamon raisin bread. Cut that in thick slices. Ah, uh, or the or the challah. With mm. all that with all that cash, you're going to save with Magnify Money. You can buy all sorts of bread from Panera. Magnify Money, the place to go to buy more bread at Panera. I'm sure Nick at Magnify Money will like that tagline that we just gave them. Stack, Stacky Benjamin's trademark. Stackyvegements.com forward slash magnify money. I love saving 450 bucks. Shot, yeah. <laughs> Me too, I guess. Where do you go from there? I'll tell you yeah. where we go. We got your letters on tap, but first we've got some headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Man, horrible seeing Puerto Rico get beaten up by another hurricane last week. Beaten up is an understatement, I think. But on top of that, people taking advantage of people. It feels like you hit one way, you hit another one. Listen to this. Odd letter highlights fiduciary concerns in Puerto Rico. Oriental Financial Services sold the island Commonwealth's triple tax-free bonds, then dismissed a client when it sued over the risky securities. So Puerto Rico law, OG, is different than the law in mainland United States, where if you're a financial advisor there, you automatically have fiduciary rules applied to your account. So you have to act in your client's best interest, which well, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, to me, that kind of makes sense. It just gets rid of, okay, let's just get rid of it for everybody. Let's make one rule and you don't have to have a disclosure because the public doesn't know what questions to ask. They don't know to ask, are you fiduciary? Yeah. Of course, our genius listeners know that, but a lot of people don't know that. So Puerto Rico gets rid of that problem. Well, listen to this. Even when a broker's a fiduciary, he can certainly fail to act like one Oriental Financial Services Corp. is one of the island Commonwealth sellers of Puerto Rico tax-free bonds. 
for those people that don't know what happened with those bonds, OG, the market for these has, of course, collapsed as Puerto Rico's economy stagnated due to $70 billion in debt, a population in flight, and a government in default. Puerto Rico filed for bankruptcy in May after years of borrowing to cover budget deficits, according to Bloomberg. So, Oriental sold these bonds, and then Sean Miles, the Oriental Financial's president, recently sent a client a letter obtained by Investment News that blew up any notion the phone was indeed a fiduciary. The letter is about an arbitration claim filed this year with the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA, and says that firms are sending breakup letters to to clients that they sold these bonds to. So they sell these triple-rated bonds to people, and then when the bonds go south, that they recommended, they say, yeah, 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 we don't love you anymore. We're kicking you out of the firm. <laughs> well, I mean, does that really hurt your feelings, though, if you're a client? I mean, weren't you planning on leaving anyway? Well, you should have probably left yourself before your fiduciary recommended uh, all stressed out bonds. Like if somebody came to me with Puerto Rican bonds even two years ago, I'm like, what, what, why are we doing that? Like, what's yeah. what's that strategy all about? Yeah, that's the problem is that, you know, you can uh, put a stamp on it, right? And say, well, I'm a fiduciary. But until you behave like one, it doesn't really matter what label you put on it. Because at the end of the day, you can still behave however you want. You'll just have to deal with it in court, you know? And it sounds like that's what they basically picked. They said, well, we'll just make all the money we want and then we'll have to settle some claims down the line, but that'll pale in comparison to the amount of money that we'll make on the commissions and the markups on the bonds. This firm typically... When people sue them through FINRA, they automatically send a breakup letter. And this is the this is the letter. It says, please take notice that Oriental, its agents, employees, parent and affiliates withdraw and disclaim any and all investment advice with regard to your account, including but not limited to the Puerto Rico securities. Since you made the investment in Puerto Rico securities, you saw independent legal counsel and or financial advice and brought the referenced claim, according to the letter, Thus, you are fully aware of the risks alleged by you with regard to your investment in Puerto Rico securities, at least since the filing of your statement of claim. The reference claim shows it's your belief that these are not safe, prudent, and are suitable investments. Further, it's your belief you should not have purchased or should not hold investments in Puerto Rico securities. This does, this reads like they were a commission shop, and hey, man, we're backing away from you. And it's a brilliant legal strategy, right? It's like, well, since you did some research on these... You know, at least since the day that you filed this, you said you don't want it. But should you not have done research before? I mean, maybe you did research before and you just willingly bought these things. I mean, we can't stop you guys from willingly buying stuff from us. I don't think this type of such baloney. (laughs) I don't I don't know if this letter is going to fly in Puerto Rico, but in the 50 states, does this letter do you think that it works? I mean, I know you're not legal counsel and we're just for entertainment purposes only. But do you think that this could happen in the. No, I've got I've got an exact idea of what happens here. An exact idea. Does that anyway? Here's what they did. They looked at this from a business proposition standpoint and said we can make X amount of millions of dollars in commissions and markups on the bonds, and some of these will blow up in our face. But you know, if we've got to pay a two hundred thousand dollar, you know, arbitration claim to Joe Blow, so be it. We're you know, we'll pay a couple of those. We made $400 $400 million in commissions and markups on this thing. So we can give back some of that money if somebody decides to sue us. That, that, that I'm sure that was the discussion in the boardroom. Investment News went and checked uh, FINRA's broker check profile for Oriental Financial Services. Broker check is a thing they have a few. 
dings. It's a flipping dumpster fire. And so if you did your homework, which includes going to, and we just have a direct link on our site, stackybedjamins.com forward slash broker check, where you can go check anybody's FINRA record before you hire them. If you had done that homework, I think you would have seen that this is, this is not a firm you probably wanted to do business with anyway. Mm-hmm. Our, do your homework. Our second headline comes to us from the Financial Times. This is on cybersecurity. There was something, we didn't do a story on this, OG, but we should bring people up to speed on this. The SEC was actually hacked. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission was hacked. The people that over... Everybody's getting hacked. You get hacked, and you get hacked. It's like an Oprah show. Whoa! Everybody gets hacked! <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> when, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the the uh, really the police force, right, overseeing a lot of uh, how fair trading happens in the United States, SEC hacking, they disclosed their hacking OG, but according to the Financial Times, SEC hacking disclosure fell short of its own guidance. This written by David J. Lynch in Washington. The Securities Exchange Commission delayed for at least eight months before notifying the public that hackers had penetrated its network, even as it urged the companies it regulates to promptly Disclosed cyber attacks. The, mm. the commission so far has released only a four-sentence description of the 2016 hack into its online Edgar Company filing system, which officials belatedly realized last month had permitted criminals to obtain nonprofit information and non-public information. Yes, yeah, a non-profit, non-profit. Yeah, yeah. non-public the, information. Yes, non-public information and trade profitably on it. Publicly traded companies are required to disclose to investors any hack that has a material effect in their operations. Government agencies such as the Securities and Exchange Commission are governed by a different set of rules that generally require notification within seven days to law enforcement authorities, Congressional Oversight Committee, and a Federal Information Security Incident Center, though not the public. This seems yeah, to be... Yeah, so this is really kind of... Frustrating, scary. frustrating. Scary, yeah. frustrating, yeah. yeah. You know, so the Edgar system... To, for those who don't know, so if you're a publicly traded company, everything that you do has to be disclosed, right? If it has a material impact to the business so that investors can make decisions with all the necessary information. Well, if you're going to disclose a uh, an updated uh, financial report or whatever the case may be, you don't put it in the system and disclose it that nanosecond, right? You load it in there and you say, this goes public in a week from now. You know, we've got our financial da- uh, data done. We're going to upload our financial statements on Tuesday. Friday is when we have our conference call with the investors at four o'clock. That's when we disclose it. So that gap of time, there's a whole bunch of information that's sitting there that somebody could, you know, take and use to profit from. And so that's super frustrating because, we, you know, as investors, we don't get to behave that way and be legal. And then it's also really annoying that the freaking SEC would penalize the heck out of a company for waiting eight months. I mean, look what's going on with Equifax, right? I mean, they're going to go under because of all this stuff, because they waited so long and because they were hacked. But, you know, do we get to shut down the SEC now? God willing? Do you think you might be going a little far? Do you think Equifax is going to go under? Sure they will. You do think so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They don't have enough money to to fight all the lawsuits. They, they're not even going to pay out any lawsuit money. They're just going to spend so much money in legal issues that they're not going to be able to, you know. Now, they'll reemerge as some sort of, you know, 
new company. You mean but. that you mean there there may be a bankruptcy protection thing that happens and oh yeah, and then reemerge. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and you're, I don't understand why we have a separate set of rules for the SEC. Well, it says seven days in this article. Uh, it seems yeah. like we should. We're still off by seven months and three weeks. Right. <laughs> you know. And the sad thing is, is, you know, in our first headline today, there was some recourse, right? The recourse that we had as people is that we can we can take care of uh, business ourselves by going to broker check. I think with this headline, I the mean. The good news, I think the SEC will probably sue itself. And and fine itself. We were finding ourselves forty million dollars. Yes. Uh, Here's the check. Here's the check I wrote to myself to find myself. I think this may be a call your congressman thing, uh, but 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 I think our takeaway is if you have a advisor telling you they're a fiduciary, head to uh, their broker check. Go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash broker check or just the Finra website and click the broker check button. And uh, make sure that you do a little homework on the firm before you get involved. Oh, one of our favorite, favorite things to do is to answer your letters. And we're about to do that right now. So, oh, gee, have you stretched out? Yes, I have. I was doing some deadlifts earlier today, working on the hammies, getting them kind of limbered up. So a deadlift means you're lifting uh, beer to your mouth, and hammies means you're eating ham. So ham and beer, right? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, dude, I'm all swole. Let's check that out. Oh, don't do that. Uh, first letter. I'm just jealous. First letter comes to us from Vincent. Vincent says, Joe and OG, love your show, and you've given me much to think about. It influenced me greatly. That is a scary thing, isn't it? Hopefully somewhat positively influenced. Hopefully. Recently, I received an inheritance of a little over $100,000 and wanted to ask about an investment strategy. I've paid down some debts to an acceptable level. I've set some aside for an emergency fund and a six-month CD. I'll borrow against it if the worst happens. And I'm using some to refurbish my home. The rest I'd like to invest. But since this money has an emotional connection, I don't want to invest it with too much risk. I've heard that a small portfolio of 20 dividend-paying stocks works well for such a risk tolerance and wanted to ask your opinion on the matter. Will creating a buy-and-hold dividend strategy beat out a regular dividend-paying mutual fund? If you've touched on this in earlier episodes, please feel free to draw my attention to that episode. Thanks, Vincent. Well, you know what, Vincent? We're just gonna we're just gonna answer it point blank, man. What do you think? Twenty dividend stocks versus a dividend-paying mutual fund? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. There's so many different layers to this. I'll just answer the question as you asked it. You're going to be way more diversified by buying a dividend mutual fund. Uh, an ETF, a Vanguard fund, one of these uh, large company dividend producing mutual funds than you are by having 20 different stocks. Not to mention, how do you know which stocks to pick and what's your criteria for selling it or buying it at what price? You know, what what percentage of of the portfolio is in each stock? There's just too many questions that are unanswered that you have to provide the research for. I would just you know, you got a $50,000, you want it to be dividend, large cap, large company, you know, what we call large cap dividend stock, just go buy a Vanguard dividend fund and be done with it. Or BlackRock or Fidelity or, you know, Schwab or whatever floats your boat. I really like, you know, it sounds, Vincent, like you're worried about risk. And I think the best way to control risk is to start off with what the money's for. I mean, you know, we can talk about dividend stocks like OG just did. But my first question is, 
is when do you think you're going to take the money out? Because based on that time frame, there is a risk reward profile that's best with different investments. As an example, you know, you talk about with a lot of risk, but over long, long time frames, more of a growth stock strategy, maybe even smaller mid-sized companies, which, which, man, they go up and down and up and down like crazy over the short term. Over long periods of time, I would say that the risk on those, if you're using a, a exchange traded fund or a mutual fund, isn't you know isn't isn't outside of the average person's risk tolerance. What do you think about that, OG? Well, you definitely have to start with the you know the end in mind, right? You said I've got six months in a CD, and I would use that if necessary if things came up. You know, if this is three or five year money, then yeah, it's got to be invested very conservatively, but. If you're 35 and this money came from grandma and grandpa and, you know, you're not going to touch it for the rest of your life and maybe you're going to leave it to your grandkids, then, yeah, there's no sense in having it be invested conservatively if the time horizon is 80 years. Yeah, I'm on board with OG's points. Uh, I, I, I don't think you should buy all those stocks yourself. I just can you imagine what that garden's going to look like later on? Like, when do I sell? What's my discipline of changing things in here it's uh, forget forget all that it's too messy one one diversified mutual fund to be done with it our second question comes just from eric eric writes joe and the other guy i have a fintech question a friend of mine recently in, introduced me to motif i've been unfamiliar until now but it looks pretty interesting do you guys have any thoughts is it something worth looking further into thanks in advance Normally, I go to OG, but obviously, because I do all these fintech interviews, I think this one, OG, is more, more uh, in my wheelhouse. Yes, please. Opine. Oh, great. Opiner. Motif is a uh, cool place where anybody can go on and they can create a diversified portfolio that will act a lot like an exchange-traded fund of stocks. It could be just five stocks that are their favorite healthcare companies. It could be the healthcare companies that have the lowest P.E. ratio, as an example. It could be the ones – it could be anything. It could be NASCAR companies, companies that advertise on NASCAR. Blue logo cars. companies. It could, it could be anything, and anybody can create them, and you can follow a lot of these motifs to see which ones you want to invest in. You know, it gets pretty quirky over there. So if you want to go with some really quirky strategies, you can definitely do that. What I like, and the reason why I asked them to sponsor the show, is that M1 Finance does all of that where you can invest in other people's pies and pies of modern portfolio theory-based investment approaches, or you can make your own. So you can do all those same things, but you can also get the get the straightforward stuff and if you use uh, Stacking Benjamins in the discount code, you'll get the first year for free over there. So Motif is interesting. Uh, now, at M1, as of right now, you don't get everybody's quirky stuff. Like, I can't go see what OG you've created in there and invest in that. So if you're looking for that, right now, Motif is the place to go for that. But if you're looking at either, number one, setting up your own, or number two, looking for motifs that are based on tried-and-true investment principles, uh, I'd use the uh, M1 Finance piece. Love it. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, good stuff. Nothing wrong with motif. Now, if you're going to get quirky and you're going to use some of those quirky things, I think OG use it for your sandbox, right? We talk about maybe having a sandbox. It's a small part of your portfolio that you're doing just for fun. You know, it's where you might have your long shots on individual stocks, uh, the crazy stuff you're going to do, that keep it keep it in that part of your portfolio if you're going to go uh, and get crazy with some of the the fun motifs that are out there at Motif Investing. 
Next question comes to us from Dan. And actually, OG, this one's not uh, even a question. It's a comment. And uh, Dan's commenting on our recent sandwich episode with Len Penzo. Mm, sandwiches. He says, you just listened to Sandwich Show. I want to pass along a delicious suggestion since I heard several times that the roast beef was a favorite. I love roast beef. A small chain in California used to do a sandwich called the Mountain Charlie. He says, I have no idea the origin that was roast beef and egg salad combo. Oh, why would you ruin a roast beef sandwich by putting egg salad on it? I think it sounds awesome. Oh, my God. I think it sounds crazy, crazy awesome. I'm not even going to try that one. Sorry, bud. He says, try it. Absolutely delicious. No, pass. Mm. No, I don't care how good that might be. That could be the best thing in the world. I will never put that in my mouth. That's what she said. <laughs> Next, we got to move. Next question <laughs> comes to us from Colin. Colin says, Dear Joe and OG, I'm wondering how much is too much to ask from an advisor. My wife and I have been married for two years. We have one child and both earn very good money. We do all the stuff we're supposed to, like maxing out our 401k, our thrift savings plan, 529 college savings plan, no debt except mortgages plural because we have rental properties, et cetera. But the excess money we had after all of that was somewhat intimidating. So I hired an advisor from a reputable and well-known firm shortly after getting married. We're geographically distant from her. So all contact has been email, phone, and snail mail. That's not a big problem for us. My wife likes our planner and I don't think she's done us wrong by any means, but I don't feel like a valued client. We get a call every few months lasting 30 minutes or so, all the required documents, et cetera. But you guys talk like you know slash knew all your clients like friends, and I get the impression you spend a lot more time with them than a couple hours a year, especially when we set an aggressive but attainable goal of replacing my wife's income, the higher the two, and multiples of what we actually spend in under 20 years, age 50. Am I asking too much? Thanks for the non-lesson, and go check Doug's room for undelivered mail. I'm sure the other three listeners are sending more than you're getting. That dude definitely isn't bringing it all down. Do you think uh, Doug's hoarding mail? I think he reviews it first, you know, like at prison when they got to check your mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colin says, P.S. I don't learn anything from you guys, but I listen to other podcasts for that. Paula Pant, Pete the Planner, to name a few. You guys are just fun. OG, OG needs to go hang out with Joe and Paula sometime. Sometime when I'm invited. In Dallas at FinCon, we'll be hanging out. So. Yeah, maybe coming up in a month. I'll have some news about that coming up here shortly. If you're in the Dallas area or you want to fly to Dallas, actually part of FinCon is going to be for people that listen to shows like ours. So PT's opened it up and made it where it's not uh, about creating media. It's actually for people that just want to uh, learn more and be more involved. But to stay tuned for that coming up soon. Cool. Uh, so, hey, let's talk about this. I think that everybody has their own way of doing their business, right? You had your way of doing it when you were an advisor. I have my way of doing it. I tell everybody that my favorite line to quote is, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? You know, I've been working for 20 years almost doing this work, and and I figure I've got about 25 years to go uh, before I might entertain the idea of not doing it anymore. And so if all of my clients are between the ages of, let's say, 35 and 50, they're kind of all going to reach this retirement time period and get into retirement all around the same time that I am, right? So we have a lot in common. 
in terms of our in terms of our family profile and timeframes and and goals. And so if I'm going to talk to you every six months, which is what we do, and we're going to have, you know, an hour and a half or an hour conversations every year, two times a year for the next 25 years, you got to kind of enjoy the conversation, right? You know, there's, there's got to be a little bit more to it than I looked at your portfolio and it is performing in line with our expectations to, you know, I mean, that's good too. You want to, you want somebody that's knowledgeable and sometimes a little disinterested may even be better because they might have a better third party view, right? Than than somebody who's kind of in the trenches with you, so to speak. But I also think that when you're when you're a consumer, you have to find somebody that matches up with what you're looking for. And um, you know, sometimes sometimes you want somebody who's very straightforward and plain and has a very rote system. And maybe Maybe you'd prefer to have somebody that's a little bit more eccentric. I don't know, but doesn't make that other person bad. The, the great example that I can think of is in the medical field. Like I love my primary doctor being kind of fun and, hey, you need to take this test and da-da-da-da-da. But when I had my MRI, because I had like all this weird vertigo issues, the neurologist was so disinterested, like he came across so disinterested and dispassionate about the work and specifically about me that I could tell that all he knew about was that he was an expert in that part of the brain, right? Like he wanted nothing to do with small talk. He had no interest in learning about my kids. He just came in and said, well, Mr. OG, upon review of your MRI, it appears as though that you have and have a nice day. Okay. You know, but that's what I expected out of that. That was a different type of relationship than the primary care doctor. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think you got to love who you're hanging out with. If it's not, if it doesn't match, it doesn't matter how great the advice yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I had people that didn't line up with me because of the fact that that I wanted to have an emotional connection. And, and that wasn't what they hired me for, you know? I mean, there's a certain degree... When I read Colin's note at first, there's a certain degree of, you know, this is business. If you want a friend, buy a dog, right? <laughs> where it's where, where it's not about it's not about being your buddy. It's about is the work getting done? And so that's the important thing to measure. But certainly the work gets done better if the personality matches what you're looking for, I think. You're more likely to believe me if you think the thing that scares me here is Colin feeling like he's not valued. Like it seems to me like you still felt like you were being like you were valued in that MRI. But if Colin doesn't feel like he's valued, I think that we might have. We, we, yeah. And there could be more to that, right? I mean, maybe this planner only works with people that have over $3 million and took you on because you were a friend of a friend. And so it doesn't really match up with their, the way that their business model is. And it's, they may look at it more of a hassle, you know, and, and you're trying to get more out of it than, than they're willing to provide because maybe their service model is designed for somebody that has, you know, oodles of money, or maybe they don't like working with physicians and they only work with engineers and you know, that's who they work with or whatever. You know? I think nothing goes poorly if you talk to your advisor about your concern. And if you talk to them directly, almost the way that you talked with us about, say, you know, it seems like the work's getting done, just doesn't seem like we have much of a connection. Is is that a problem on your end, too? Because if it is, I want to fix it, right? Uh, so if you go at yeah. it from a position of, I want to fix it, and listen, then if they're not interested in fixing it, you got your answer. Go find somebody else. 
if they are interested in fixing it, then you have a better relationship. But I can't think of any time where letting it sit the way it is actually helped the situation. Like hoping it goes away and gets better is what happens in dysfunctional relationships. Agreed. Our next question comes to us from Dr. H. Dr. H. What do you think H stands for? Dr. Hellion? Dr. Hellacious? Yeah. Dr. Hello Ladies? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, longtime podcast listener, the situation here, 35-year-old recent medical graduate about to complete residency in family medicine, first year earning a potential of $250,000 viable job offers starting uh, this time next year. Current education debt, $550,000 at an average of 8.2% average. Oh, my goodness. And people think becoming a doctor is glamorous, by the way, OG. There is, it can be, but it takes you a long time to get there. Currently on public student loan forgiveness with income-based repayments, minuscule payments being made now, total consumer debt outside of those loans of $0. Savings includes a 401k, traditional IRA, Roth, and a simple $200,000 total. Total current income right now, $55,000 a year this year. Then, of course, that massive increase Dr. H talked about. Currently, there's no public student loan forgiveness job options in California. A wife is a pediatrician, infectious disease specialist, unable to get a job right now, unwilling to assist with student loan payments. Her stats, $50,000 retirement savings, $5,000 cash on hand, $65,000 a year income, then probably $140,000 per year starting August of 2018. What do we do? Both of our cars are paid off and brand new. No kids, but we're trying to get a little monster. Please give recommendations. Man, this is uh, this is tough. This is a great example of why comprehensive planning really makes a lot of sense for a lot of people because there's so many different variations and variables associated with this case. And you have to juggle. I mean, right now it's pretty easy, right? I mean, you don't make a lot of money relative to what it's going to be, you've got this huge amount of debt and, 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 and paying a little bit of it. Don't have any consumer debt, which is fine. But the risk that you run is that if you don't aggressively attack this, then this could linger for the better part of 25 years. I mean, there's no doubt that, I mean, people buy houses for 550 K that takes 30 years to pay off. You know what I mean? And if you're 35 right now and it takes you 30 years, well, that's 65 by the time you get this thing paid off, right? But by the same token, we have to juxtapose the need to pay that off aggressively with also all this other stuff that's going on, right? You also have to save aggressively because you're, you know, 35, right? And eventually you want to be financially independent. You're going to have a kid or two or three or four and they're going to need some sort of college fund probably. You probably are going to buy a house and eventually those new cars get old and you have to replace them in some way, shape or form. Not to mention if you're like every physician that I've ever met, when you get that, that, that increase from 50 to 250 and Mrs. Dr. H goes from 50 to 150 and now all of a sudden your tax return says 400,000. Well, guess what? You also start losing deductions that you're used to getting exemptions that you're used to getting itemized things that you're used to getting go away. And so now your tax bracket goes way up your tax rates go way up. And so you feel like you should be way ahead of where you are because you're like, oh my gosh, you make $400,000 a year. But Uncle Sam's taking a whole bunch of that. The state of California takes a big chunk. You know, there's so many layers to this. 
the answer is I don't have the foggiest idea what to idea what to do next until we know what the goals are, right? And this is this is a great financial planning case. I mean, really, this is. There are two things I would add to that. Number one, when Dr. H, if I read that correctly, Dr. H's spouse is unwilling. The word unwilling scared me. Uh, un- yeah, I don't I, I kind of I, I heard that, too. And I just kind of felt like we should breeze over that. Like he probably doesn't mean unwilling. Yeah, but, but if, maybe he does. But but if he does, there's a disconnect there, which goes to what we've talked about before, these family budget meetings. And I think that that idea of a weekly family budget meeting where you very quickly go over things together and manage money as a team, I think that uh, that helps a ton. And then number two is, is Dr. H with that massive increase next year is going to feel a different type of pressure that you read about all the time. If you've read The Millionaire Next Door, this Millionaire Next Door talks about this. Physicians are not uber wealthy because they feel the need because they're in a community to feel a need to look like they're a rich person. Yeah, in that upper community. echelon income earner, and they should behave like it. And look at when you've got $500,000 in student loans, I still see people that spend money hand over fist because I have to, I have to show to be a member of the community. I have to show that I have money, even though I really don't yet, because I have so much, so much money in student loans. I saw that all the time and it really bothers me. And Dr. H is going to have a heck of a time fighting that off. What about uh, a couple other quick notes here? I heard 8% of at a rate that seems like four times what it should be. Uh, Really consider getting it refinanced, get to magnify money and compare all the different student loan refinance places That'll help you aggressively pay it off. I mean, just kind of food for thought, I guess. If your salary is going to go from fifty to two fifty, and and the miss is going to go from fifty to one forty, why not just take her salary increase from fifty to to one forty, which will still be a thirty five percent pay increase over what you're earning right now, and take all of your income and pay this thing off in three years? Boom. I mean. That's pretty aggressive. And to your point, Joe, it's going to take way more discipline to stay out of the lifestyle creep trap of what do you mean? You guys aren't going to Bali this weekend like everybody else? Yeah. You know, you're going to that's going to be tough. And then you layer a kid on top of that. And I don't know. That's gonna It's not going to be easy. But uh, but I would not be inter- entertaining a 25 year payback on this sort of stuff. That's too crazy. Thanks for the question, Dr. H. And you know what, OG mom's got the coffee on and I see uh, Doug coming over here. So I think we're going to hand it over to him uh, for the middle of the show. And uh, we'll be back with more letters in the Haven lifeline. As soon as we go get a refill. Hey everyone, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug here, and here's something you might have been wondering, because I heard a few of you talking during that last segment. You know the Dow Jones Industrial Average? You may know that this index includes a wide range of companies representing the entire market. But here's what you might not know. How many companies are in the Dow Jones Industrial Average Index? I'll have the answer as soon as I beg Joe's mom. For more tang, what, what were you thinking? I raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. 
The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks. And guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best in class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. There's really no way to sell real estate today, rental homes with tenants in place. What we did with Roofstock was create the first way to do it. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Hey, everyone. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And earlier, I asked this question. How many companies are in the Dow Jones Industrial Average Index? If you said 30 companies, which I'm sure you did, you'd be right. See ya. All right, let's throw out Dave and Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends OG over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, you know what they're doing? They're disrupting. Oh, disrupting. Yes. And reinventing the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things that you value most. Oh, baby, you know it's light roast at Panera. Plus, I got I, I got it. I had it for breakfast. I know we talked about it. Cinnamon French toast. <laughs> Those actually are number three and four, believe it or oh. not. But number one and two are your family and your time. They were the first life insurance startup that's wholly owned by industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online. Qualified healthy applicants, they can skip the medical exam. That is a time saver right there. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Congratulations to our friends at Haven Life, by the way. They're finally in California. That was the last state they had to be in. And California. I know, and I know that California, when you look at our statistics, is the number one state where people listen. We have more listeners in California than anywhere else. So guess what, California? Get on it. Haven Life is open. You're in like Flynn. 
And we're uh, throwing out the Haven Lifeline today to our new friend, Ryan. Say hello, Ryan. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Ryan. I'm from Chicago. I've been listening for about six months, and I haven't learned a darn thing. So thanks for that. Um, had a question today on how to get stocks into a Roth IRA. Um, to give you a little background, my wife and I are both in our early 30s, and we got married a couple of years ago, and she brought into the marriage um, a couple of stock purchases she's made. The stocks have doubled or tripled, so they've done really well, and there's a, a sizable taxable gain um, sitting on a lot of them. And I was thinking about putting them, uh, transferring them from the brokerage and putting them into uh, Roth IRA, but wasn't sure the best way to do that if uh, it, it would be just to sell the stock, take a taxable gain, and then put the money in the, in the IRA and uh, the Roth IRA and purchase the stock again, or if there's another way available to do that more efficiently. Just to give you a little background, my wife and I, again, are in our 30s. Um, we have about $100,000 in uh, brokerage and probably $120,000 in uh, 401k. Um, we have around seven or 8000 in a Roth IRA and a little bit in a traditional IRA. But yeah, I was just wondering your thoughts on the best way to accomplish that. Keep up the good work. I really enjoy the podcast. Oh. And, uh, and that's what happens. And cut. When you go at 90.03 seconds. Yes. We, we, th- thanks for the call. Thanks for the I call. I think that was the part where he's about to tell us all the things he liked about the show. Yes. Oddly enough. Joe's very like, handsome. Uh, Doug oh, is a weirdo. Than anybody I've ever talked to in my entire life. Yada, yada. Uh, you know, we don't need that. We're, we're, we're comfortable enough with our greatness. Yeah, you know. Yes, which we're going to prove right now, Ryan. In our own in our own skin. Because even though you shouldn't learn anything from our answer, we're going to give you one. Shocker. OG. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Can't do it. <laughs> I have tried this. I so wanted to do this myself, Ryan. And I went, I went down this path and, yep. oh, man. you can only put cash into an IRA. Unfortunately, interestingly enough, you can take stocks out of a uh, retirement plan in some places. They'll let you do that. The reason I was told that you can't put stocks in is because the issue of valuation at a certain time uh, because, you know, to s- stocks sometimes trade after hours. And so an IRS fair valuation, it's something that can be apparently too easily manipulated and companies don't want to take that risk. Brokerage companies. Yeah, yeah. Brokerage companies don't want to take that risk. So they want cash only. So if he likes those positions, OG, I think he leaves them alone and finds other money to move into the the Roth. Right. And there will come a time eventually when you will not be as successful in your stock picking. Right. And you might have a loss. And so the, so the question within the question is, how do I get this gain out of here without paying a lot of taxes? And sometimes if you have another position that you buy this year that might go, let's say it goes down and that position is, you know, got a thousand dollar loss. Well, maybe you sell that at the loss and then you can sell the other stock that has a thousand dollar gain and they wash. Or at least a you know portion I mean? of it. Right. Yeah. Or a portion of it or whatever. Uh, but that being said, you never want the tax tail to wag the dog here. You made money, pay taxes on it. Are you trying to say that everything Ryan touches doesn't do as well as these? Is that what you're saying? Well, based on what he said, he said that his wife brought the stock. That's right. So it's not you, I'm Ryan. I'm just saying she might want to be the stock picker of the family. And Ryan, get your grubby fingers out the stock portfolio. The smart move Ryan did was getting married. 
in this so deal. far. <laughs> that's that's yeah. Ryan's smart move. Yeah. So yeah, new money goes into the Roth. Existing money kind of stand fast and leave it with the brokerage account. If that if that fits part of the portfolio, hey, if it's run up and it's overweighted now based on your allocation, you made money. You got to pay taxes on it. That's just how it works. Yeah, go ahead and trim and don't, like you said, don't let taxes wag the dog. Thanks for the question, Ryan. If you've got a question you'd like us to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you, we will do that if you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And when you do that, Haven Life is paired with us and our friend Brad Lark over at that crazy flying pork apparel uh, to make a special greatest money show on earth t-shirt that we're going to send to Ryan. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. All right, back to letters. You ready for some more stuff from the mailbag, OG? As ready as I'll ever be. And our next question comes to us from Aldo. Aldo says, hey, guys, I've been listening to the show for a couple months now and really enjoy laughing at, I mean, with you guys. Of course, he meant laughing with us. Mm-hmm. I like to laughing think, at you. I like to think of myself as savvy, but I'm probably a fool still. I'm 28 and have 10% of my salary going to my 401k, 2% employer match that is linked to Bloom. Credit you guys. I also am maxing out my Roth IRA starting this year. Before we go further, Bloom was a company we had on the show recently. We'll link to them in the show notes so people can check them out. They'll help you manage your 401k. So that was an interesting, interesting company. But anyway, back to Aldo. I don't qualify for a traditional IRA. I'd like to grow my money a bit more. So I have a little bit invested with M1 Finance. My question's not about me. I have a girlfriend and we both know we're going to get married. She got a new job last year, and they wouldn't allow her to invest in her 401k until one year later. It's been a year, and they haven't given her the forms to fill out to start putting money into her 401k. She gets angry with me when I remind her to go get them. She hasn't invested in her IRA either. So what I'm telling her is, hey, two years of IRA at 4% would be 50000 when we retire. But that doesn't seem to work because, quote, the market isn't guaranteed. Her mom has worked at a bank her whole life and isn't pushing her, so she thinks it's not important. How can I explain myself better to show her how important retirement really is. I like to think I'm a money nerd and I don't understand why others wouldn't be. Oh, Aldo. I, f- I feel like we're getting involved in the, in the premarital tryst here, OG. Tryst? Yeah. Tryst is, <clears throat> tryst is not the right word, is it? I don't. <laughs> premarital. <laughs> wait, come back. Come back, Wait. Wait, I think I used the wrong word there. Oh, sit back down. Put your headphones back in. I feel like Steve Harvey. I just got to I just got to walk <laughs> off the stage. I love like, it when I use the wrong word. Premarital fight. Premarital that, uh, what do they call those? I know exactly what it is, but I'm not going to say what I'm thinking here. Dumb moments with. Mr. Salsi, hi. No. All right, let's do this. Aldo. Here's the thing. When it comes to communication, really what we're talking about here is communication, right? And it's not about whether or not she puts the money into the IRA at 4% for 50 years or whatever you said there. It's about the fact that the two of you need to be on the same page with money. And that may involve you saving more and her saving less, right? It may involve the two of you deciding that here's the appropriate amount of money to save. So you don't want to be the one that's always poo-pooing everything that she wants to do or not do for that matter, right? And you also want to make sure that you're responsible enough 
in your early 20s or mid 20s or whatever, whatever you said you were to kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit. Because you definitely will wake up at 40, 12 years from now and go, ooh, that went by pretty quick. And then when you're like Joe, you wake up and you're like, oh, oh. crap, I'm like 107. Oh. And that went by even faster. So at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not she's saving, you know, X dollars. It's whether or not the two of you have agreed on what the future looks like. The great thing about financial planning is this. It's really just based in math and science, right? The bad thing about financial planning is that it's a lot of an art form, too, because you've got your a lot of different ways to get there. There's nothing wrong with investing all of your retirement into a savings account, if that's your thing. But you have to know how to do that, right? You just have to know, okay, I've got to save 10 times as much money as anybody else because I'm getting one-tenth of the return. So there's no right or wrong way to do it, but you have to know what the outcome is that you're looking for. And then you can work backward and say, hey, if we want to do this, the math says we need to save 400 a month. How do you suggest we come up with the 400 a month? You know, and this doesn't just come from you. This comes from Stephen Covey, right? Uh, begin with the end in mind. I think uh, Seven Habits of Highly... Well, Stephen talked to me about it before he wrote the book, but yeah. He asked, I mean, I let, him, I let him run with it. Yeah, yeah. You weren't going to sue him over a little thing like that. Little no, idea. I mean, share the wealth. He had to come up with the six others himself. So yeah, you know, uh, that's debatable. But Steve, but Stephen, Stephen Covey, God rest his soul, man. Talks a, amazing human being. But uh, Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind and work backwards. And I think that I think that's a lot of people. You know, you've got things that you want today, and you can see those things, but you don't make the end goal tangible. And when the end goal isn't tangible, it doesn't mean as much. You're like, what's another year? And you're right. Aldo's using the rule of seventy-two to try to impress her with math and how much money that's going to be. It's going to be 50,000 bucks, but 50,000 bucks at age 60, the average person versus the money now. I mean, it's yeah. Okay. Well, and I think the other thing too is make sure that you ask great questions. When I find myself getting stuck or me and Mrs. OG are stuck on something or me and the kids are stuck on something, right? A lot of it has to do with the type of question that you're asking. And you know, the question of, how do you suggest that we get that we put this together, right? If she's not a money nerd, you got to bring her into the fold and say, well, you need to help me make this decision. How, how would you suggest we do it? You know, I did the math for you. You can't dispute that. It's 400 a month. What do you think? There it is. And, and then if she says, well, I think you should save all 400 and I can spend all my money. Oh, okay. I mean, then now you're having a communication, right? You're having a different discussion at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, pack your shit, devil woman and get out of my house. I'd, yeah, and if you say that, the next thing you know, you're packing all your and getting out of her house. That's what yeah. really That's what really Probably. happens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not our first go around. I was kidding about that. I would never say that in real life, sweetheart. Thanks for the question, Aldo. Our next question comes to us from Drew. Hey, Joe and OG, this is Drew from Chicago. Wait, it's Chicago Day on the show, isn't it? All right. And I have a question regarding employee stock purchase plans. My employer offers a 15% discount on the purchase of company stock. I can contribute up to 15% of my income via automatic payroll deductions. Stock can then be purchased on a quarterly basis through Merrill Lynch. I can sell the stock at any time at the cost of a minimal selling fee. There are no restrictions on how long the stock I purchase must be held before selling it. After researching employee stock purchase plans, my strategy would be to sell the stock as soon as possible, preferably on the same day of purchase. 
This would allow me to benefit from the discounted stock price while minimizing the risk of an under-diversified portfolio. I then reinvest the money into savings, retirement plan, IRA, etc. I have no desire to hold on to the stock long-term for the capital gains tax benefit. I'm already contributing to my company's 401k to receive the full company match. 5% contribution with 4% company match for overall 9% contribution. The next enrollment period for the ESPP is coming up. So what are your thoughts on ESPP plans overall? What are your thoughts on the strategy I've laid out? Pros and cons to be appreciated. Thanks for teaching me nothing, Drew. OG, employee stock purchase plans. These are great benefits. I uh, I really think you maximize the heck out of these. And Drew, don't look past the tax benefits of holding on to them for two years. I know you can sell it right away. Uh, one thing you didn't mention was how the price is calculated. So every company is going to do this a little bit differently. He mentioned that in his company, he can uh, uh, have the option every quarter to, to buy the stock. So does that mean that they take the lowest price? of the quarter? Do they take the beginning price of the quarter, the ending price of the quarter, the average price of the quarter? Do they take the high and the low of the quarter and average it and then give you the 15%? There's a lot of different ways that companies will figure out what that price is less the 15%. But let's just say it's that closing price and then you get the 15% discount. That's fantastic. I don't think you sell it right away because you've got the 15% discount. Why do you want to go ahead and then turn around and pay taxes on all that discount? you know, depending on what kind of tax bracket you're in, you just you just reduce the benefit of that by probably a third, if not more. I think that uh, kind of the second level of this might be to contribute every quarter like you planned. And then in two years from now, you start having this systematic sell that allows you to get a better capital gains treatment. So better tax treatment on those dollars. You're still going to accomplish the same thing in that you're going to be, you know, diversifying the portfolio away. Yeah. For the next two years, you end up accumulating a little stock, but you know, it is what it is. Right. And you're putting all sorts of money in your 401k and that's diversified and you didn't mention a Roth or anything like that, but maybe you get one of those going on too. Don't look past the tax benefit. A close second is selling it right away, but but I really like the idea of waiting and getting a better tax treatment on it. I, you know, for me, waiting depends on the company and uh, the company's performance, the company's growth prospects. I, yeah, that, that gets into a little bit of a guessing game, right? I mean, now you're talking about market timing in some respects, right? You're, you're saying, I think that the stock's going to go up today or down today. But if I've got a risk tolerance of X and the company I work for is, has a profile that is far less robust than what I need for my portfolio. I mean, then I then I sell it right away and I go ahead and put it in stuff that's more uh, risk appropriate. I think you diversify around it. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, OG. You know, the risk you're taking by diversifying around it by holding onto the single stock gets smaller and smaller as your net worth grows, right? Because you're still only putting in the same percentage all the time of your income. So you're not holding on to much. I would never hold on to much. I totally agree with you there. Treat it like it's a like it's a conveyor belt and you're moving yeah, stuff off the conveyor belt at one on. end while the and, and it only and to your point, it plateaus at a moment, right? Even if your net worth doesn't grow, the worst it gets is two years worth, right? of your savings. And then after that, you're shipping units off at the end. So yeah, close second selling right away. You know, you get out of it, get the 15%, you can pay some ordinary income taxes on the difference, but 0% taxes or 10% long-term capital gains tax are way better than, you know, being the 25% bracket or 33% bracket or something like that paying taxes. So chew on it. Thanks for the question, Drew, you know, and plenty of people out there not using their employee stock purchase plan. 
should totally be using. Miss. Yep. Totally be using. Free money. Next question comes to us from Kevin. Kevin says, since bond funds have sucked for so long. And always will. Why not just use a CD ladder for your low risk portion of your portfolio? A 12-month CD at Allies, 1.35%, better than some bond funds have been doing. Okay, I'm going to take this one for a second. Why am I going to buy a CD and lock my... How come I can't do the bond one? Why am I going to buy... Well, you can have it after I say this. Sure. Kevin, if you're going to buy a CD paying 1.35, why wouldn't you jump on Magnify Money using our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money, and and get 1.4 in a savings account and not lock it up like a cd you got to lock up the money for 12 months in a 12 month cd that's how they get that name but, but with a with a savings account you don't you have a higher interest rate and you don't have to lock it up at all um oh is there one for 1. 1.4 on magnify there's, money right there's, now? there's two of them for 1.4 oh, yeah i agree with you go ahead what else were you going to say about this that that was all i was going to say was that, that was I, it were- I, I think if you're if you're trying to optimize that part i wouldn't go with the cd ladder yeah why not keep the liquidity and have a better rate right which is all true. I I mean, savings, CD ladder, it doesn't matter. You're not going to beat inflation anyway. So so you get as best as you can with that. And bond funds do suck. So you got that part right. Ta-da. Last question of the day. Is it... <laughs> is it uh, is that was a lot less menacing tone from OG on bond funds, wouldn't you say? Well, because I sabotaged it by talking about the other part first. Because I knew it was coming. So no, I would. Stay, stay my my response stands. I would not have changed it. You're kinder and gentler today. Yeah. Well, it's the last question of the day. Yeah, sugar coma from <laughs> French cinnamon French toast comes from James. insulin is just <laughs> comes from James. James says, "Joe, it's sad to say I had a loss in my family. She left me with roughly seventy five thousand dollars." I want to roll it into a 529 plan and keep it as a, quote, legacy scholarship for other family members. I personally don't plan on going back to school, so be designed for my future children, nephews, nieces, or grandchildren. I also somewhat want to do this to prevent myself from spending it on something stupid like a brand new car. Game show voice, he says. So I tried to do it. Was that good? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Is this wise? And is there any way out of a 529 if I need it in the future for some emergency? Thanks and keep up the good work. P.S. What's mom serving for dessert tonight? It was great last week. Thanks, Jim. Don't know what mom has on tap for dessert. Do you? Uh, haven't uh, haven't haven't thought about it. Guess, nope. guess we'll have to go upstairs and find out after It'll the show. Be, we'll all find out together at the same time. Basically. Delicious, no matter what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about 529s real quick, just kind of generically. So a 529s college education savings plan, right? And uh, set up by states. You can invest in just about any state these days. It used to be really kind of state specific, but great website, by the way, savingforcollege.com. Fantastic. Ton of information. And they've got a premium resource there. I don't really even think you need the premium stuff, really. I think you can get all the info you need to find out good plans and that sort of thing. The limit on the contribution to a 529 is 14000 a year, but they allow you, which is the gifting limit, right? But they allow you uh, to to front run five years of contributions at one time. So the most that you can put into a 529 at one time for one person is 14 times five, 70,000. So he said 75, really can't get to 75. We do 70 this year, but then we can't do anything else for five years. So, okay, close enough for government work. You can name anybody you want as a beneficiary. You can name yourself. And then 10 years from now, when you have kids, you can name 
your kids. You can name your nieces, nephews. And you can freely change that. Once per year. The owner can freely change it once per year. Once per year. Correct. Got to be used for college, right? Higher education. A Title IX school can be used for tuition, can be used for room and board, can be used for books, travel costs. It's pretty liberal in the definition of what you can use a 529 for from expenses so that you receive those benefits tax-free. So you put your 70000 in, it grows, it does its thing, you want it to come out. If you take it out for any reason other than a higher education expense, that's when you get dinged. You're going to pay taxes on the distribution. You're going to pay a penalty on the distribution. So we really don't want this money to be used for anything other than a college education expense in the future. Yeah. When James says he wants this to be a legacy scholarship fund, it's going to stay that. Yeah. So the question is, could I ever get to it? Yeah. But man, it's ugly. It is ugly with a capital U. G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. You ugly. <laughs> but, then, but then, but it's still, it's so flexible and it's such a great idea. And if it's a tribute to the person who passed away, if they value education, I don't think it's a bad yeah. plan. No, I love it. I love the idea. And to your point, it will keep it out of your grubby little fingers so you don't buy a new car. Now, you can, he can, he can move it back to himself this way. Let's say that he decides to take classes at an accredited higher learning facility. How yeah, he wants they, to learn, uh, learn Spanish. That? Yeah. Goes or to the community college and says, take in Spanish course. Goes to flight school. Flight school. There you go. That's yeah. a cool way to do it. I think we're giving him too many ideas now. But he can make himself the beneficiary and he can use it, use it that way too. Well, I would make yourself the beneficiary initially anyway, if you don't have anybody else in mind. I'm sorry to hear about the loss in your family, James, but I think it's a great responsible way to honor the memory. I like Ab- it. Absolutely. I think that's a that's a great place for us to end it on uh, on that uh, nice thing that James is doing. Thanks to everybody, by the way, who wrote us letters. We still have more, but if you would like us to answer your letter, you know what? The quickest way to get online is the Haven Lifeline. Just head to stackybenjamins.com at the top of the page. You'll see questions for the show, and you can either... Go to the Haven Lifeline or do what a lot of people did today, which is write us letters. And we're happy to answer those. We answer one of each per show, but then we have, like today, a letters episode from time to time. Also, thanks to everybody who left a review of this here podcast. You know, it's great to see people tell others what they think about the show, whether it's telling a friend about the show or it's telling people online, either at iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to Stacking Benjamins. And let's go to a review from... Stitcher, which is where I listen to podcasts, OG. I like my Stitcher app. Uh, Five stars from Scott. This is going on Mom's Fridge. My favorite show, period. Been a regular listener for three plus years now, and this show remains my favorite. See how easy that is? Short and to the point. Perfect. And Mom absolutely uh, loves it. She's showing the whole bridge crub. So think- What was that? (laughs) The whole bridge crub. You don't know what the bridge crub is? I've never heard of them. Thank you to everybody who's left us a review. And then finally, if you're somebody that needs uh, good help in your corner, OG's taking clients. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G for OG's calendar, where during a first meeting, virtual meeting, you and OG will talk about uh, what it takes to get him in your corner working for you. All right, that's going to do it for today. On Friday, fantastic roundtable coming up 
we've got uh, we've got a lot of fun coming up on Friday. So st- stick with us there. And then OG's back on Monday with me, where we'll have uh, more fun back here, stacking Benjamins again. All right. Have a fantastic uh, couple days. We'll see you on Friday. Go stack some Benjamins. All right, Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today? Sure, Joe. I'm going to let you get back to applying that facial mud mask to OG, and I'll tell everybody what we're supposed to learn today. First, is your financial advisor a fiduciary? That's an important question to ask, and a hard word to say, even if you live in Puerto Rico. Second, have an unexpected windfall? Opening a 529 plan as a family education legacy fund is a great creative option you might consider. But the big lesson? We gotta give a big shout out to Chicago. You showed up in this episode, Chi-Town. Now if those cubbies can just keep winning. But just forget about the bears. Special thanks to you for sending in your letters. We love mail. Of course, because we're not discriminating, I'll say I love female too. Do you want your letter to appear on the Stacking Benjamins show? God, why would you? Head to the stackingbenjamins.com and follow the questions for the show tab at the top of the page. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special no thanks to Joe's mom. I asked her for some tang, and all she can talk about is Wu-Tang. Does that mean she's happy about Tang or something? I don't know. I've seen a few movies lately. I saw a number on uh, on some airplane rides here, but nothing um, nothing that I can remember. So, you reviewed the founder here a while ago, and oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. I saw that on an airplane recently. Um, what do you think? I liked it. I didn't love it, and it, it, and you know what? I loved the production of the movie. I thought it was well presented. 
I learned that, um, you know, I like movies with a really empathetic main character and I didn't love Ray Kroc. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a jackass. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, he was really shrewd and that's not even a good word for it. He was just an ass. Like I got it. I understood where he's coming from. His obsession with cleanliness. I liked his obsession with building the business and with wanting it. But he's a guy that wanted it so bad he became it, you know, and it just it really kind of consumed him to the point that he cared more about the business than about other people. And, yeah. and, and you, of course, I don't know that the McDonald brothers, um, you know, how are you going to work with those guys? It just I don't I think working with those guys would have been so difficult. That said, listen to what I'm saying. I'm into the McDonald's brothers. I'm into the thing which which tells you the actors did a phenomenal job. I mean, from uh, from Michael Keaton. Uh, just, just amazing to, uh, the two guys that played the McDonald's brothers, Offerman and, uh, and, uh, boy, if there was a place where I could look this up, that would be great. But, <laughs> but, but I thought the founder was well worth watching. If you like business and business development movies, yeah, that's a, that's, that's, yeah, a, that's a good way to spend an hour and a half. That's a big one. So I saw that. I don't want to talk about that movie right now though. Let's talk Despite about the fact we just did. Yeah. Let's talk about this one that I just saw in theaters that people are going to be interested in. This is the Kingsman Golden Circle. Exy, I saw in you what someone once saw in me. Something that can't be taught. The makings of a Kingsman. Being a Kingsman is more than the clothing we wear or the weapons we bear. It's about being willing to sacrifice for the greater good. I hope you're ready what comes next. And now the end is near. And you're seeing all the Kingsmen properties blow up, and that happens fairly early in the movie, and it looks like the Kingsmen are stuck again. This is the second movie in a series, for those of you that don't know anything about the Kingsmen movies. Uh, stars Taron Egerton as Eggsy, who's the main character in the first movie, he was this young punk kid that they recruited and he became this Kingsman, who's this uh, high class kind of James Bond kind of young character. Uh, Colin Firth is his mentor. He's in the movie. Julianne Moore plays the evil genius in this film, which is which is she can play anything, man. That woman is such a fantastic actor. Uh, just I've seen her play everything all over the map. Mark Strong is in this movie. He plays kind of the Q character. If you've never seen Kingsman, he's called Merlin in this. Um, but he's he's the guy behind the scenes who gives you all the gadgets and is working the technology. Um, and there's others. This this film, I didn't realize how long it was while I was in the movie, but it's two hours and twenty one minutes long. Like we got we got done, and I went, uh, holy cow. Uh, this 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 took forever. Uh, it, it has a Rotten Tomato score of fifty percent. So you would Uh-oh. you would think that this is not a good movie, man. I I was in it the whole time. I guess if if you saw the first King, like a love it or hate it, I guess at a fifty percent, right? Yeah, but if you if you're somebody that knows you're getting into campy fun, like a, a James Bond, but really really dorky kind of fun. Like if you go in there with that attitude, you're man. I was in it the whole time. I, I thought the characters were fun. I got to tell you, there's a guy with a cameo in this, Elton John. Actually, he's not even a cameo. Elton John's in the damn movie the entire time and is hilarious. How they talked Elton John into playing the character that Elton John plays himself, 
uh, in this movie? I have no idea. Uh, but, but but he does such a great job, and it's so funny. Our whole movie theater laughed out loud several times. There was clapping. Movie theater about half full, but still clapping, laughing out loud. Tons of fun. I give Kingsman the Golden Circle a big fat thumbs up, man. I would go say, did you see the first one? No. See, I think you would like these movies. I may. Yeah, just uh, just just good stuff. Put it on the list, huh? Yes, yeah. Put the Kingsman on your list of things to see. Uh, but then again, somebody told me, you know, when I said that uh, that that King Kong movie, uh, Kong, you know, the Skull Island, that I thought that was campy fun, uh, and somebody wrote back to me and said, "Dude, it was trash. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible." <laughs> Guess it it depends on depends on your taste in movies. Uh, this one probably very formulaic plot. You kind of know where it's going the whole time. But it's a well-written, fun, crisp ride, I thought. And some of the lines in this movie. Jeff Bridges is in this film. Like so many so many people that you've seen before. Just all-star cast. Channing Tatum, Halle Berry. Who's not in this movie, I guess, is the question. Sounds like a pretty robust list. Yeah. All right, man. That's so, thumbs up. Okay, cool. Yep, that's going to do it. We'll see everybody back here on Friday. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.